Hi, this is Mark Martinez with Battle Road USA. Today I'll be the host of the Rifleman Radio Show. This will also be our final broadcast. As many of you know, the uh, host, uh, my uh, dear friend Michael Scout Adam, passed away last month in a motor vehicle accident. And the show meant a lot to him. And uh, it was obviously unexpected. And uh, our good friend Sam Damewood, who's been working our switchboard uh, for the last several years, was kind enough to set up this program one more time. And uh, we'll be on the air here talking about our good friend Mike, sharing our stories. And that's what today's show is going to be about. So uh, really no other topics. We're just going to enjoy our time here and talk about Michael and what an impact he was and maybe some of our uh, funny stories, or maybe they're not funny stories, or just how he affected our lives. And uh, Sam, I want to say thank you for doing this, because I had no idea how to do this. And Michael, like I said, loved this show, and this is a a great way to end it. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity, Mark. Uh, Michael did this show for (laughs) too many episodes, more than I can even count right now. He loved it. Uh, he could get on and, and uh, speak with our callers in, in an outstanding way, get the most out of them, and try to give them the best that he could. And uh, I think we ought to go ahead and get going with the show. I can't screen callers anymore, so I'm going to give their phone number, turn them on, and uh, ask them to identify themselves when they come on. And our first caller is going to be from uh, area code 901428. And uh, area code 901, you're on. Hi, my name's uh, Kevin. I, I've actually listened to every single show, um, and uh, I was I was um, never called in or never never spoken to either one of you guys. Sam, I contacted you on Facebook uh, not too long ago, but. Right. Uh, I just just wanted to to tell you that uh, I've appreciated the show, um, and you know, as a, I'm 33, I I found the show around uh, 2011, I guess, and I went back and listened to all the ones and caught up. Uh, it took a while, but uh, it took me about a year and a half or so, but I finally caught up. And as I was listening to them, um, but uh, I've I've enjoyed almost every one of them, and uh, his, his his history knowledge especially was a, a world of information. I I loved listening to the history uh you know, shows that he had. Um everything from, from the history to the prepping to anything in between the the uh the plane crash, the TWA uh show was a, a great show. Uh all of your contributions, Sam, were, were were very much appreciated too and I just I, I just wanna share with you guys and let you know how much I, I, I love it and, and I appreciated it in my life and um and yours and his contribution was was just amazing in my life and I appreciate it. Thank you. Well thank Kevin. you, Ken. Or I'm sorry, was it Ken or Kevin? Kevin. Kevin. Well, thank you very much uh, for calling in and sharing that with us. Uh, 
You know, Mike's had this show for years, and a lot of times it would happen on days I was working overtime. So usually when I did call in, I was at work, and he told me in advance to call in at a certain time, and he'd squeeze me in. And uh, I wish I would have, when especially now, I wish I would have listened to a lot more of them, especially when they were live, just to spend more time with him. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the shows, Kevin, and I believe the fans are going to be archived, and we can always go back and listen to them again. Yeah, I, I, I plan on it. Uh, there was a few of the of, of the April 19th shows in years past that where everybody was calling in, and uh, and they were really impressive, uh, you know, as far as the history goes. I, I, like I said, I just love the history segment of it, but... Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely going to go back and just reference him for knowledge and you know to hear his voice. You know, after the you know few years that I've been listening to him, it, it's you know you do something the same every day and and it and it uh, it makes you remember. It's like a song. It makes you remember things. Uh, you know, when you were doing, when you were listening to it, and things you were thinking when you were listening to it originally. So it ha- same thing happens with these shows. Um, I, I remember the point of reference I was in my life when I first heard it and how much it, you know, changed my direction, you know, certain things and, th- you know, done different things because of what I've heard and what's influenced me. And uh, all that's, all that, I'm, I'm, that, we're very grateful for the technology that we have that, that all this is saved. Well, Kevin, where are you from? I'm from Memphis. From where? Memphis. From, oh, from okay. Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Sandy, well, I, I can tell you this uh, with confidence that if you had ever made it down here and met Michael, I'll shoot any time you wanted on his property. That's <laughs> well, what a person I appreciate he was. that. It was, it was, yeah, I, I know it was, it was, he was the type of person like that. I, I never got to a shoot, I never got to either an Apple Theater or a Battle Road. Uh, you know, events, but um, um, it, it was always, you know, something that I wanted to do, and, and I, I, I'm going to get down there one day and see you guys either way. Well, I hope you do, Kevin. Uh, I, and if you ever do make it down, please, I'd love to meet you. Well, I appreciate that. But uh, I'll, I'll let somebody else talk now. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'll continue to listen to the rest of the show, and once again, I just appreciate all, all you guys have done and contributed to this. Thanks and uh, my, my, my deepest respects are with this family. Um, I, I can't imagine what they're going through. But, I mean, my father passed away a couple of years ago. So, But his five daughters, are, you know, I, 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 my thoughts are with them. It, I'm sure it is it's difficult. Uh, trust me, it, it's, it's hard for me to hold it together here just talking to you. Yeah, well, I can't imagine. He seems like a one of those amazing people that uh, that I don't know. They they say the ones that burn the brightest, you know, go go away the fastest. So maybe that was one of the cases. I don't know, but it's it's strange how this stuff works. But uh, you know, we're, I, I'm I know I'm better knowing you know hearing his voice over the last four or five years. So I, I can't imagine if I'd actually known him. All right. Well, thank you for calling, Kevin. All right. Thank you all. Okay. Our next caller is going to be area code 972-691. 972-691, you're on the air. 
All right, that's me, Sam. This it's Kirk Wheeler. Oh, hey, hey Kirk. Kirk. I didn't know I was going to get on this quick. I was just <laughs> calling in to get to get in the queue here, but uh thanks for putting me on. Um you're on live radio, Kirk, so you gotta start it, talking. All right. Well <laughs> obviously that this isn't my day job, so I'll i I'll just do my best. But uh a couple of things that um stand out to me about Mike um, you know the earlier caller was hitting on you know what a giving person he was you know it's uh, one thing that I did recently is I went back and looked at how many radio shows has he done it's like 300 and something he done the total on that yep I mean you start adding up all the time that he spent just for the just for this show, I mean, it is substantial. Not counting his preparation time and his lining up guests and all that kind of stuff, that is a ton of time. And um, uh, you know, it's just amazing. He didn't do it to make money. Um, he did it because he was, you know, trying to make this world a better place for everybody. And um, I don't know. He's is very, very unique individual in that regard. Um, I was talking to Steve Raby a little bit last night when we got back um, um, from the service yesterday, and he 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 was talking about how Michael would, uh, you know, any time he was around him, he would always he would. Uh, um, he was always a servant to you, even though he was he was our leader in a way, kind of our chief. <laughs> he was always a servant. He was always trying to do something uh, for somebody. Um, I know. <clears throat> Every time I was down there, almost he would. If if I was had the opportunity to talk to him, if it wasn't too busy before I was getting ready to head back, he would always say, "Give me a call or send me a text or send me an email." just so I know you got home. And, uh, you know, he wasn't kidding. He worried about everyone and um, was trying to, trying to do his best to take care of everyone. So um, you even talk about him opening up his property to let um, people on there to go do things. That is very a very unique thing in its own right. Um there aren't very many people that will do that kind of thing. Um, you know, they're leery of all sorts of things, but I just what I wasn't Michael. Everyone was welcome. And uh, I mean that's that's a, that's something I I look at you know, I've noticed it at the time, but man, that's a that's a tall order to try to live up to something like that, to be to be that open and um, caring, concerned, um, you know, and just trying to make the world a better place. Um, uh, I was telling his brother yesterday that um, that I didn't know if his family <clears throat> had any idea of how many uh, thousands of lives he 
had an impact on it, but it was at least thousands. So. You know, you're absolutely right, and uh, that's a really good description of him as being a leader and a servant. Uh, ever since I've known him, he was always trying to take lead of all the projects, and, uh, you know, sometimes it would drive us nuts, but uh, that was Mike. And uh, when I do talk out here today, I, I call him Mike, Michael, Scout. You know, it's all the same person. I just the way I've always referred to him, and when we sit down and talk, I may be calling him all three names, and that's just the way it always <laughs> has been. But uh, yes, uh, uh, he was a uh, any of the tasks that need to be done, whether it's to fill the the tank for showers for the uh, shooters to take a shower later in the evening or, or whatever, he would take lead on all that. But it was always projects to help out other people. It, yeah. it, he was always trying to help other people, and you know, it's funny. I was uh, thinking just the other day, probably about uh, six weeks ago, I was at his house, and uh, I was getting ready to leave, and I'd just been going by. My family and I have been going by more often than before, and this particular evening, it was just Michael and I, and. Uh, he had this uh, a really heavy bar he found at a salvage yard, and he was telling me he wanted to start working out. And he had just started working out, and he was going to do curls and other exercises with it. And and uh, he goes on about this regimen he wants to do. And I told him, I said, hey, that's funny you have that because I just bought one at an academy, but, you know, it has a foam cushion around it, and it's not as heavy as yours. I said, you know, I'll work up and, and get to one like yours. Now, keep in mind, Mike had just told me how lucky he was to find this hunk of metal that was nicely balanced, how much he liked it, how much he was looking forward to start this regimen, but as soon as I said I wanted another one, instantly he said, well, here, take mine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that was Michael. Sorry, I'm uh, uh, yeah. trying to uh, keep it together here. It gets a little rough. But hey, yeah. you, know, you mentioned Steve Raby a minute ago, and it just so happens that Steve Raby is sitting next to me. He came by the house. And I said he wanted to sit here during the show. So I have Steve okay. Raby here, and I'm also on speaker, and he can hear the conversation as well. Um, Raby, would you care to share everything so I can regain? Uh, sure. Uh, hey, Kirk. Long time no hey, Steve. Hey, <laughs> Steve. Right. Kirk, for the audience, Kirk and I were speaking just last night, and yesterday afternoon we spent a little time together. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Mike was... Mike was just a giver. That's something that I recognized early on. And one of those givers, you know, because I've, I've got a lot of giving characteristics as well, so you pick up on it real quickly when you have it as well. And he just never tired of it. You squeeze Mike and giving comes out. That's just the way it is. It was part of his personality. And one of my first memories there at... The boot camp in 2007. That's when I met him. Was in 1107. Though I'd seen him posting online before that, 
the first time I talked to him, I was lost <laughs> trying to get to his ranch. And I think I was in Franklin, Texas somewhere and was just way off course. And he got us there. And But I remember him serving us lunch at that apple seed. Here I am expecting to, you know, serve myself. And here's Mike and his father. And they're making barbecue brisket and stuff for all this big crowd of people that are out on his ranch. And uh, another time that I recall is, you know, me being single, I'm not accustomed to being served. I serve myself. I cook my own meal. I, you know, get my own coffee. And uh, some of our trips uh, for Appleseed, we would end up in the same hotel room or whatever. It was always good company and good fun. But I still remember waking up and Mike coming over and putting a cup of coffee by me when I'm first getting alert. And that's he's the only person that's ever done that. And uh, another thing that I loved about him is his practical joking, where we had a long drive to El Paso, Brett Anderson, Michael, and myself. First Appleseed there, 2008. And uh, you spend some time, you know, going to El Paso with people. You're going to get real well acquainted. And so on that trip, we're riding along and, you know, we're all taking turns talking about our past and our lives and such. And uh, while I'm going over some of my stuff, Michael just breaks out in song. And the song <laughs> is what I, I now refer to as my Michael Adam theme song. But it was Once in a Lifetime by the Talking Heads. He starts boarding out, you may find yourself... They're living in a shotgun house. You may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. And you may find yourself... And that's... I just lost it. And I, I only realized the song title the other day when I went to look it up, thinking of And it's called Once in a Lifetime. Yeah. And that is a perfect way to describe Michael. Oh, well, hey, Sam... We have a uh, caller holding for about 12 minutes now, area code 256. Can you bring them on? Hello. Hello. Hey, Mark. Hey. Hey, Junior Birdman. Oh, Rick. Gosh, you know what I was uh, thinking about you yesterday? I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Thank you for calling. Yeah, man, I just uh, I just got home, just walked in the house here, so the timing worked out uh, impeccably. But <laughs> hey, I just wanted to say a couple things about Michael, and then uh, then I'll get off. And, and I know other people have a lot more to share. Uh, we had a great uh, memorial service yesterday. Everything was perfect except it started five minutes early. I should have started fifteen minutes late. Uh, that would have been much more appropriate. <laughs> that would have been the Appleseed way. But uh, other than that, gosh, I, I thought it was perfect. Everything about it, uh, I really appreciate you getting up to uh, to speak. I I really wanted to. I wasn't sure I could do it. Um, I would have cried like a little girl. But uh, uh, I think uh, everything went well. I think his ashes are where they belong. I think that's the perfect place. And... Uh, and uh, we got to fire one last volley, and I had the honor of calling the line. And, and I thought it was just fantastic uh, all day long. <clears throat> but Michael, 
uh, I met him in uh, 2007 uh, at a boot camp. I was I think it was the third boot camp ever. And it's up in Ramsour in 2007 in hot August. And uh, he showed up late, of course, because he had something break on his truck on the way. So that was uh, pretty typical of Michael, too. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. he, he got there, and uh, and he was the uh, practical joker of the bunch, and he was the, the guy that helped everybody with every, everybody else's stuff before his stuff. It was typical of him. And uh, and it was my birthday while we were there. And one of the things that, that he did was they have a, I don't know if you've ever been to a ram server, if you have, they have pop-up target at 200, 300, 400 yards, and there's maybe three or four pop-up targets on each line. And when we finished up, uh, we were gonna, that day we were going to have pop-ups. Everybody was going to have fun shooting the pop-ups. And they decided that since it was my birthday, I got to go first. And me being completely naive and unsuspecting, that made sense to me. So I got down on the line, got behind my M14, and and the first pop-up that, that came up had a gorilla mask on it because Scott had gone down and put a gorilla mask on that pop-up because he knows how much I hate a monkey. And um, so I riddled that monkey full of holes, and I thought that was pretty much the end of it. And I finished shooting my pop-ups, and it was fun. Everybody laughs and everything. Later that evening when I went uh, to put my stuff back in my tent, I unzipped the flap of the tent to go in, and there's that monkey staring me in the face. He put that mask in, raised it just so it would be right in my face when I when I came in. And then he stood back to watch because he was pretty sure I was going to pull my pistol on him. <laughs> but he stood back to watch, and he got the biggest kick out of that. And he thought that was the funniest thing, that I didn't like monkeys. And after I told the story, uh, you know, that goes way back to my childhood. Every time we sat around a campfire, he would have me tell the story of why I hate monkeys. And he would just laugh and laugh. He thought that was the funniest thing. And then uh, one other thing, just to uh, to talk about his, his uh, hospitality there at the ranch, the first, uh, maybe the second boot camp I did out there in Texas, uh, he knew I was a big a Red Dawn fan, and he had recorded Red Dawn, and we were going to have a viewing of Red Dawn there at the house before the thing started that night. And his kids had arranged all the furniture in the living room in a semicircle around the TV, just like a theater, and they popped popcorn, and they had the popcorn in these little popcorn, red and white popcorn things, just like the movie theater, you know. And we were all excited, and we gathered in there and sat in the, the quote, theater to watch, and uh of course, he had recorded it. It was one of the late, you know, midnight showings that he had recorded it from. And every time one of the characters would stand up and scream Wolverines, I would make the girls all, you know, raise their fists in the air and scream Wolverines. And <laughs> the movie was going great. But being that it was a midnight movie that he taped, every commercial that came on was for some sort of male enhancement. And so every time the commercial starts, Scout would jump into the room try to fast forward the thing real quick, you know, and cut the commercial out, and we would all make the small talk like this wasn't happening. <laughs> but he opened his home to me like that, and I was family. I sat with his family. I ate with his family. I was family when I was there. And that's the way, that was the way it was with anybody uh, who showed up uh, at the ranch. They were family, and you've got the best of everything. And uh, I love the man. I never parted company with him in person or on the phone or even in an email that he didn't say, I love you, brother. And I love yeah. the man 
more than a brother. And he will forever be in my heart. I will forever miss him. And uh, but that was Scout. And uh, I'll get off and listen and, uh, and let some other folks, uh, uh, you know, share their memories, too, of a, of a great okay. man and, uh, that's gone. Well, before you go, Rick, uh, I appreciate you calling in and sharing that with us. And uh, you do have one of the greatest monkey stories ever. And every time I come across you, in fact, this last, uh, just a couple of days ago when I saw you, I kept telling my children, remind me to get Mr. Rick to tell you about the monkey story. Oh, that one of the greatest. Uh, I guess, God willing, if you make it down uh, in October... We're going to have a bonfire, and uh, we'll probably have to record that monkey story. We'll have to do the monkey story. It's one for the ages. But uh, thank you so much for calling in. Absolutely. And before I go, uh, I'm going to put this plug in. I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but I'm going to do it. And and that is when I was there, the TBOC guys were there, and uh, Spencer let me know those guys had raised $8,000 for the girl and for their scholarship. And so I'm I'm going to put that in there. And say that go online, go on Michael's Facebook page. There's a link there. Uh, everybody give, everybody give because the, those those girls those girls are my nieces, and now and uh, and it's, it's the right thing to support him. It's a sport to support him. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rick. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks so much That's for nice everything you. you've done. And you guys take care. I'll listen now. Okay. Thanks, Rick. And uh, Kirk Wheeler, are you still on the line? I believe so. Okay. I'm sorry. I got into Rick, and I, I didn't know no, if, if you were going to stay on or whatever, and you're more than welcome to stay on, Rick, uh, Kirk. That's fine. I, I mean, bring it, on that, uh, I want to bring that 205 caller on here before he gets tired and his arm falls off. Oh, I see that. Okay. Bring him on. Okay. 205835. You are now on the air. That's me. This is Sheila Stevens. Thank you for calling, oh, Sheila. Hey, how Thank are you, you calling? Well, I just wanted to say I, I don't know how much anyone realizes. Um, I mean, everybody seems to realize who Michael is. I, he's just a fantastic giving person, but I don't think he realized the extent to um, his giving because I only met him one time and he actually called me when he found out that I was starting a new nonprofit called the Valkyrie Initiative for uh, Veterans and First Responders and he said, hey, I've, I've got some land. I already have some a training area and I hear that you want to do that kind of training and other things. I said, yeah. So I went to John Hurt's tracking class in January and then I drove from from Louisiana, uh, and, and I met uh, Michael and his father and his family, and I stayed overnight with them. And I was just amazed that um, he and I were so on the same page. But not only that, we were—he drove me around the property, and, and we were like, "Well, maybe we could put this over here and put this over here." And we saw a little area where I said, "You know, it would be wonderful to have interactive uh, shooting." Um, house where we could move the walls around. He said, I'm already there with you. He said, I used to be a stage manager. I worked in, I worked in um, performance art, and I can do that. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. I mean, he could do anything we brought up, anything. 
and pretty much knew about everything that that I wanted to do except the therapy part of it. And so um, we were in negotiations about that, and we were talking about a lot of different things. And he told me one day that he had already been burned twice in the past by people who said they were going to follow through and didn't. And the thing that struck me about that was that here he was again, standing up one more time saying, oh, and help. Excuse me. And it just, it impressed me so much that, you know, other a lot of other people would have just walked away from the nonprofit world, right? And would have said, hey, I don't want to do this anymore because I put myself out on the line and then someone didn't follow through, but not Michael. He was so excited and he was very... Um, willing, you know, to take the risk again. Of course, it, it, he didn't know that it wouldn't have been a risk, but he was willing to do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Michael's always ready to jump into anything, anytime, and uh, especially if it was to help other people. And it's funny, it's such a reoccurring theme, and now we all talk about him as how he was always so willing to give. And, uh, that you know, you and I have talked about that, and that was just him right up his alley. There, he would have loved to continue uh, to do something like that because he knew it would be helping other people. And uh, you oh, know, yeah. even with uh, our Battle Road project going on, we uh, started gaining some momentum here. And you know, our talks, he's he's been saying, well, he says, he says we have to start uh, giving back to the community. We need to start making, uh, you know, donations to uh, the volunteer fire department, first responders, and he's just wow. always wanting to give and give and give. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I'd have to remind him, hey, we're just beginning to break even, Mike. And, uh, <laughs> right. But he, he was ready right. to do it. He's like, come on, let's start writing some checks. And, uh, you know, that, that is just such a, a wonderful person. And I have to say one other thing about him, and I know I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, he loved, he was he was such a renaissance man, which I wrote about today on his webpage and mine. He loved poetry. He would even ask to read my poetry, which is, you know, total amateur. And he loved books, and he loved the arts, and he loved everything beautiful. And yet he was a, a rifleman, a, a consummate a soldier. He was pretty much everything, well-rounded, um, man of all, of everything. And that's another thing that impressed me. He, he, he embraced both sides of his personality. You know, he didn't squelch up anything. Yes, he was. Uh, when I was telling that story about the uh, workout bar, just a few weeks ago, less than two months ago, I think, that same evening we were inside of his house, and I never knew he was a uh, an actor until after after he passed away. He never told me, but he did tell me Is he worked right? on the stages and uh, other things. But that day we had a, a long talk, and he started showing me some artwork he had done before, and he was telling me oh, about other artwork he did. And uh, it was funny because I'd never seen that side of him. And it was funny because 
as he was talking to me uh, about this artwork, he had this funny look. I think he was waiting for me to start uh, making jokes or making fun of him, <laughs> but I didn't. I listened to what he, he had to say, and he was showing it to me, and it was very impressive. And I was impressed that he did all this stuff because I've always known know. Michael as the gun guy. Uh, when things hit the fan one way or another, his family and my family were going to hook up and, you know, we're going to be okay. And i never right. seen that uh, funny, artsy side of him before, and he was finally telling me about it. Did you see those totems that he he did it toward the end, those two totems? I, I saw the picture, so, yes. That's amazing. I mean, he, he really had a lot of gifts, and um, now I'm going to have to let somebody else speak, but thank you for having this. I, I really appreciate hearing from other people, and, you know, their their experience with Michael. So thank you, Mark, and I will talk to you guys hopefully later. Yes, we'll keep in touch. Thank you, Sheila, for calling in. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We have uh, another caller here, uh, area code 830-629. Uh, you're on the air. Who are we hey, Sam. With? Hey, Sam. Uh, Mark, this is Tommy Newton. Tommy! How y'all doing? Hello, sir. Can you hear me? Yo, yes, we can hear you, Tommy. Okay. Okay. Tommy. All right, well, we missed you, missed you yesterday evening, Mark. Uh, sorry you had to leave so soon. JB was talking about the... Uh, Little send off we had for Michael. It was pretty nice. Um, Steve, Steve Raby, Steve McPeak, Ray Trinan, Everett, uh, Rick Smith, Kim Smith, uh, Rachel Malone, and uh, Michael's two brothers, Russell, and I think the other one's name is Chuck, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we stayed there. The family had a uh, little ceremony there down at the 25 yard line. And, Everyone that wanted to was able to take a handful of Michael's ashes and spread spread them out, and uh, it was really special. And then, uh, you know, after that, we all got our rifles out. Steve McPeak even brought a M1, so everybody got to shoot the 308, and we had a really good time. So, uh, you know, we missed you. Uh, not being able to stay and doing that, and uh, uh, really felt Michael's presence. We had a great time yesterday. Was it was tough, but you know, I mean, there was a guy there from Germany. I don't know if you met him before. He was at Michael's tracking class uh, when John Hurth came down. His name was Andreas Apple, and there was a group there yesterday. The they're called the Tactical Beard Operators Club, and I don't know if. People noticed them there yesterday, but they were out there when we were standing around. And well, the guys with the beards. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those guys came from a good distance to uh, pay tribute to Michael. And uh, so there's a lot of people that he touched their lives, you know. And there's, think about it. There's just so many different groups that uh, that he was part of, and it was good to see a lot of guys that I haven't seen in a while yesterday. Yeah, I saw the uh, tactical beard operator guys and uh, went and shook their hands. I think I got to uh, introduce myself to most of them, and I was very grateful they came down. It was very nice of them. 
And you know, uh, the gentleman you mentioned from Germany, Andreas, uh, you know, I know I'd seen him because I'd seen him on Mike's Facebook page. Right. And I saw him there, and I wanted to introduce myself, but so many things are going on, and uh, I had no idea there was going to be something else going on there at the house. Uh, I figured maybe I didn't know if it was for family or, or what. And uh, But, you know, by that time, uh, my head was pretty much pounding, and uh, I, I just came on home, and, and now it just really bothers me. Uh, I had Steve Ravy here at the house, and he was telling me about that, which y'all did, and I, I really, really wish I would have been there. Uh, I, I just didn't, didn't, didn't know, and uh, it was a pretty tough day. I know you saw me up there, and yeah. I uh, spent most of my time talking and crying, and uh, it, it was a very difficult day. But I sure wish I had stuck it out and, and been there. Well, I I do have a story I'd like to share, and it's uh, typical Michael. Uh, this one involved uh, uh, Far Texas, which Far South Texas uh, was going to have. They had a couple of apple seeds down there. Well, the very first one, I talked Michael into going with me. Uh, he and uh, Everett and I believe Roger Glenn went with us down there. And there's another. IIT, his name was Mark, he was no longer in the Apple program, but at the time we went down there. So we're we're waiting for Mark, we're waiting for Michael, and this is, we expected him to be in New Braunfels at about 6 o'clock to start going down to FAR. Well, at 12.30 that night, Michael still had showed up, and he wasn't answering his phone. When Michael finally got there, he told us a story that, uh, and I don't know, you you know this, Mark, but I don't know, most people probably don't know that when Michael traveled, he never had enough uh, protection with him. And uh, what had happened was that a cop had pulled him over in Bartlett. He had a taillight out. And unfortunately, Michael had left his pistol in a door, and when he opened the door, the cop noticed the uh, pistol in his door. So needless to say, uh, by the time the cop went through uh, Michael's car, he was quite surprised the amount of hardware that he had in it, and he had to call in and register each one of the uh, firearms that he had in there before he would let him go. So Michael didn't get to my house at 12.30, and we spent all night driving down to FAR. And uh, it was turned out to be a really great weekend. And uh, But, you know, it was typical. when Whenever Michael said he was going to go somewhere, he said he'd be right back. And uh, he always <laughs> never knew where that was going to be in five minutes or later that night. And one of the jokes between Michael and I was... Uh, Whenever he said, I'll be right back, I said, bring brisket with you when you come back. So, <laughs> you know, that's, you just never knew. You know, Michael says, I'm going to be there. I'll be there shortly. And uh, you never knew when that was going to be. So it's just kind of, now that's the story. You know, I'll get off. Hopefully someone else will come on and got some other stories, but. I had some great times with him. I'll never forget him. Uh, like everyone else has said, he was like a brother to me. 
Uh, I never had one, but you know, I considered uh, people that uh, he, he was a real focal point uh, in the Texas community and, and nationwide in the APSI program at one time, and uh, I'm going to miss that focal point. And I hope I hope someone uh, you know I hope we're all able to keep that together in this area anyway. So y'all take care. It's good talking to you, uh, and I'll see you down the road. Okay, Tommy. Thank you, Tommy. You know, I remember uh, that story Tommy was talking about with Michael and uh, leaving his pistol in the door because he had called me. Well, I went over and he was talking to me about it, and he was really upset. And he was saying, yeah, this this cop was registering all my guns, and it took forever, and... I told Mike, I said, you know, we don't do that here. I said, he was probably checking every one of them for stolen to see if they're stolen or whatever. And uh, he was still upset about that. But uh, after a while, he, he understood. And uh, uh, it's just a funny story of how uh, the way he reacted to that. And he and I were just talking back and forth. So also, uh, Michael disappearing on us, that was pretty common. I remember one of the very first times... I was uh, doing an apple seed at his property, and Michael got up there, and he welcomed everybody in, did the morning briefing, did the morning history, and then asked me if uh, uh, if I had this. And I said, uh, oh, what do you mean, do I have it? He says, can, can you take care of this? Can you do it? Work this for a little while. I need to run up to the house. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I've done enough of these, I I can do it. Then uh, Michael got in his truck and went up to his house. And then sometime right before everybody left for the day, here comes Michael and everybody who's been there, you always, you know, you see that little red truck he would drive coming down that long road with a dust cloud. And that was Mike, and he'd come back and he'd close the apple seed and, you know, tell me, you know, thank a lot or whatever, and that's funny because I've learned that, and over the years of working out there sometimes, he would say, hey, I need to run up, up to the house real quick, and you never knew what real quick meant. Real quick meant he'll be back in about 15 minutes, or he'll be back in five or six hours. So, uh, that was, what was really uh, one of the funniest things about Mike. I mean, at the time, it wasn't too funny, but now I think of all these stories and I love them and uh it's just a lot of fun. And uh Sam I don't see anybody any callers waiting, so while we do wait for somebody to come in, I'll talk a little bit about Mike and uh I guess pretty much how uh he oh, and like fifteen I, minutes left. I'll turn it down. How uh, Mike and I have met. And that was back in 2007. I was I signed up for a rifleman boot camp there. It was a five-day rifle class in the Villa, Texas. So I got off of work and drove out there. And uh, I got to his house. I got to the address, and the house or in the place didn't look anything like a gun range. And it was still dark. It was probably 4:30 in the morning or so. And I kept driving up and down the road. I didn't see anything that resembled a, a a gun range. And there's only a couple houses in the area. I checked my paperwork. I had the right day. 
you know, I was really frustrated and tired because I'd been driving from Houston. And finally I got to a point where I said, oh, the heck with this. I was uh, took care less about the money I paid for it. I was going to take a quick nap and come back home to Houston and get to bed. So I did. I think I probably napped just a few minutes. And as I was getting ready to leave, I saw these headlights coming down the driveway. And uh, at the same time, I was thinking, if I am in the wrong place or whatever, you know, here comes this rancher out here, sees somebody parked in this driveway. Yeah, I didn't want to be perceived as a, a threat or a crook or whatever, so I got out of my car just to say hello and ask about the, the shooting event. And the guy stops, he comes out, he's real tall, and he says, uh, are you here for the shoot? I say, yes, sir, I am. And he walks over to me and he smiles, that smile we all know, and he leaned forward and he shook my hand and said, hi, I'm Mike Adams. And uh, he told me where the shoot was. It was behind his house. I didn't know there was another 180 acres behind his house. And I went over there, and we uh, uh, I did the shoot. And, and it was a lot of fun. And shortly after that, I started doing a lot of the apple seeds there at Michael's place. And I said a lot of this yesterday, but I'll repeat some of it here. I noticed that during these events, every morning, he was running late trying to get the course set up. And uh, I started going out there a little earlier just to help him. And then when I was doing that, after a few months had gone by, I had asked him, uh, one day I said, hey, why don't you just do this the day before? And he says, gosh, he says, I've got about 500 acres to work. He says, i got cattle, i got my girls. I've got, he says, I just don't have time for all this. And uh, I asked him, well, can I come out and help you? And right away he said, yes, yes, yeah, he was really happy about that. So that's what I started doing. I would, uh, I had a, uh, my job that allows me to work comp time, and I was burning three or four days off over there, and we just became really, really good friends. And uh, one day uh, we were out there, and I believe it was cold, and he was working on the tractor, and I had no idea what to do. And I'm just standing there. And uh, I had told Mike, I said, listen, I said, I'm sorry I'm no help. I, I don't know how to do any of this. And uh, I remember he stopped, and he looked at me, and he said, you don't have to do anything. He said, I'll do all the work. Just be here and talk to me. He said, all I want is somebody out here to talk to me. And right from that point, you know, I was thinking, this such a nice person allowing us to come out and shoot, working for a good cause for our country, working this land, dealing with this, all of his girls he has to run around and do these things for. He does so much. The least I can do is come out and talk to this man. So it worked out great. I would have burned time off, and I'd go out there and help him and, and uh, I actually did learn a little bit about ranching because of Michael. I learned you can fix anything with belly wire. And, uh, you know, uh, I learned to salvage a lot of things that I normally throw away. <laughs> My wife is rolling her eyes now. She's sitting across the table. And Mike taught me a lot of good things. I, I, I just enjoy my time out there, and a lot of times 
we weren't even working on anything gun-related. It was just held out at the ranch. And you don't get a, an appreciation of how hard somebody else and that type of job is until you actually do it. If it's freezing cold and it starts raining, you still work until your task is com- complete. If it's burning hot and you forgot your sunscreen and your skin is burning, you keep on working. You don't stop. It is is one heck of a job, and Michael did it for so long and was always ready to have people come over and visit and shoot and continue on with whether it was Appleseed or Battle Road or whatever. The the man was a worker. And uh, he and I just became really good friends that way. And uh, I see we have some more people on the line, Sam, so you want to let them on? Sure will. Uh, Caller 830-456, you are on the air. That would be me, Roger Glenn. Just wanted to check in and say hi to everybody and 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 uh, tell you that I appreciate getting to see everybody yesterday. Uh, I wanted to share with you that, uh, of course, we all know that Michael is an exceptional person. And some would say he was actually bigger than life. In a lot of ways, but uh, you know, one of my one of my uh, fondest memories uh, of Michael and and something that really made a big impact on on my future uh, and helped me grow as a person was uh, dealing with the Appleseed program here in Fredericksburg. We had a situation coming up that I could see uh, in advance where we were going to be short of funds and short of shooters in order to keep going with the program. And so I went to Michael, and uh, at the time he was, uh, you know, our shoot boss, our state coordinator, and and I asked him, I said, Michael, I said, you know, we've got this situation, and and I've got some ideas, but, you know, I feel like I need to ask permission before I do this and do that. And, and his uh, sage advice to me at the time was, Roger, do whatever it takes to make it happen. Just do whatever it takes. I've heard that many times. <laughs> That's just the kind of person Michael was. You know, he was a doer. And the 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 other thing that uh, I would like to say about Michael, which is actually about life, is how important it is uh, to to recognize that all of us came to where we are through Michael, through that open door that he provided for us. Right. You know, we we need to continue to open doors also so that other folks uh, uh, in, in life will will pass through those doors too that, that Michael opened for us. We can continue those doors, those open doors through Michael, through us. And and I think we should, you know, honor him that way and do that. Right. Uh, God willing, uh, things will continue. Uh, and uh, I know that's what Michael would want. And uh, I know if he could somehow be here and talk to us, that's what he'd be standing there saying right now, just uh, stay on the mission. 
you know, it doesn't have to be apple seed or battle road. It could be anything. Uh, I prefer apple seed at this point because it's it it's a venue for for me to be able to make contact with people. But at the same time, there's there's hundreds of different ways to 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 be of service to our fellow man like Michael was. And and uh, there's just you know every now and then in life there's there's people that come through our lives. There's just been a handful of them in my life that I can remember, but I'll never forget them in in my past. And and Michael will definitely has had a profound uh, impact on me, and and uh, especially because I know you guys. And uh, that's just you know uh, it, it's a wonderful experience, and it, it, I'm, I'm so I feel so blessed for it all. Me too. Uh, me too. It, it's, uh, but I, I don't know how many times I can say it. Uh, it's just, it really is a, a blessing in my life to have known him and to be as close as I was to him. And you know, one thing you, you mentioned that uh, you said Michael was a doer reminds me of a story about Mike and I. And uh, uh, we actually always didn't get along. Uh, but fortunately, I could say there was probably maybe two or three times we ever had any type of an argument, and it was over that right there. We were trying to get some sponsors from Battle Road one day, and we're talking on the phone, and uh, Michael, uh, he misunderstood me because we were talking, and I, I said, well, listen, Mike, I said, let me handle this part of something I said, because I'm, I think I'm better at that. You know, I'm more hands-on. I said, well, why don't you handle, handle the uh, sponsors? Because, you know, you're you're just more of a, a talker, and I'm more of a doer. That's <laughs> not what I meant at all. But he just blew up on the phone, and I could not stop him for a minute. And he's going on saying, how can you accuse me of just sitting on my butt not doing anything and this and that? And he just went on and on. And when he finally slowed down, I said, Michael, I said, I didn't mean that at all. I said, what I meant is, you know, everybody knows me. Unless I'm talking about something specific, I really don't, you know, I'm talking about too many things. Yeah, I've got yeah, you know, I, I just don't. I'm not like Mike. I don't hold a conversation with people. Uh, in fact, talking on this radio show is the most I've talked in years. But um, Michael and I pointed that out to Michael. Said you have a darn radio show. You know, you're a great communicator. That's what I'm saying. So it'd be better if you try to communicate with these folks you were trying to get sponsorships from, and just let me do. You know, keep building these whatever it was, target frames or whatever, and that kind of squashed it. But uh, I'll never forget that. It, it is funny you even mentioned that, and I wish I would have remembered that story the other day. Yeah. Uh, I showed up at, at the ranch one time for a shotgun shoot that had been canceled, and and uh, but I was there anyway, and, and he said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, uh, I'm here for the, the shoot. And he said, well, oh, that was canceled. and But I had driven all the way over there, and, and I said, well, you know, what are we what are we doing? And, and he he said, I gotta go work cattle. He said, You're welcome to come along if you want to. And uh but I've I've got cattle across the street and they have to be worked and so we I said, Well, you know, okay. So I got in the truck and drove over there and 
And, uh, you know, he showed another side of himself, which I know everybody that's been around him has seen how, how caring he was, not just about people, but about animals. And he was so... Uh, uh, he would talk so gently and 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 peacefully to the uh, cows that they were all spooked and stuff, trying to get into the chute so he could give them a vaccination and and stuff. And uh, one of them got in too close and busted the sideboard and kicked him in the ribs. And, and and I looked over and there he goes flying through the air, and he gets back up and what does he first thing he does? He's talking to the cow about it's all right, it's okay, it's all right, it's okay. You know, he's not worried about himself. He was worried about the cow being all upset, you know. Uh, but this is just kind of Michael's persona and stuff. And and we're so blessed that, that uh, you know, God gave us Michael. And, and hopefully we can all aspire to to uh, carry on in his, in his tradition and, and try to be more like Michael. Which will be a tall order. Yes, sir, it will. Sir, well, Roger, thank you for calling in. Okay. And uh, sharing that and, with us. And, and we'll and see Roger, you soon. Yes. Roger, I'd just like to say that, uh, you know, there's no better tribute you could pay to Michael than to emulate that attitude and keep helping people and. Uh, Keep passing the words. Make that's things exactly better for your fellow man. That's what we're going to do. Y'all take care. God bless. Thank, Thank you, Roger. Roger. Uh, Mark, we've got a caller here. Uh, I want to bring on uh, 931-703. Uh, you're on, caller. Who are we speaking with? Hi, guys. Hey, gentlemen. It's Kim Smith also known as Dragonwood, or as Michael liked to call me, D.W. <laughs> thanks hey, for Kim. calling. Hi, guys. Hey, thanks Thanks so much for doing this. Um, as Rick just said, we we just got back not too long ago, so here. Um, just just to tell you a couple of little stories about about Michael. I, I met him at the Rifleman Boot Camp that, that was going on in Ramsar, North Carolina back in August 2007, and um, there's a couple of funny stories there. But one in particular is uh, I would we were at the KD range, and um, I, every time I would come back to my shooting mat, there would be my brass just neatly piled up next to my mat, and I'd kind of look and have this look on my face and and say, well, how did how did this get here? And there would be Scout just standing there with a grin on his face from ear to ear, and uh, that that it you know displays just a little bit of uh, kindness that that Scout always displayed for everyone. And um, and then we went, and then after that, we we of course were doing the um, the boot camp mark that that you went to. And uh, so Mike, in, in being hospitable, you know, in his hospitality way there, he, he said, Kim, I will set you up. He always referred to me as DW. I've got a place for you. Don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And this, this would occur, this conversation would occur, I believe, via email over the course of several days. And the first thing he told me was, well, you know, it's just a little place, and it's got dirt floors. 
And I thought to myself, oh, okay, you know, I'll just sweep out the floor. No big deal. And he's, the next thing he said, okay, well, it's got, it, it may have a couple of mice. And I thought, oh, uh, okay, I can probably sweep the mice out too. All right, we'll, we'll deal with that. And then he threw at me um, snakes. And I thought, well, okay, maybe I can deal with snakes if I get a big enough broom or, or something like that or that. And he still was, was trying his hardest to, to, to get me to, to get real scared about that place. And then when he mentioned spiders, that was it. I was done. So, uh, he he finally, finally, finally caved in and, and told me he was just kidding around and and uh, he had a nice place for me. It was his dad's place, actually. <laughs> and uh, and and that will lead me to my last story of about Scout. There's there's so many, but this showed a very tender side of Scout. And hopefully, I can do this without crying. Um, at the at the zombie run, um, we came early, as you know, Mark, and and helped set up and dress the the uh, zombies and all that, and and then. Some somewhere Thursday, well, it was Friday morning at about 2 a.m. I I started not feeling very well, and it progressed pretty quickly throughout the day on Friday, and um, I was I was pretty much I was I was pretty sick, and uh, Scout came in the tent uh, probably late afternoon, and I was just burning up, and I remember him saying to to my husband. You know, hey, we we got to get her out of here. We got to get her over my dad's place. So, Rick brings me in the truck, and they they bring me over there, and he set he makes sure I'm all settled in on the couch over there, and he runs out and gets me some coke because I figured coke would be good for my my sump my stomach. And uh, he came back in at at one point, brought dropped the coke off, and I'm just kind of laying on the couch, really out of it. And the next thing I know, he he, he leans over and grabs me, you know, puts his hands on my head and just uh, leans over and gives me a little kiss on the, the forehead. And uh, it was just his way, that tender way of of saying, you know, D.W., get better. Come on, get better. <laughs> and uh, that, that just, it just goes to show you that, you know, the, all the sides of Scout that, that we knew, that, that we love. And um, and everyone says, you know, we're so blessed to have had him in our lives, and and that is so so true. And had I not gone to that boot camp, you know, I would have never met Scott. I would have never met a lot of you folks out there in Texas, either. And um, you know, Scott set the bar real high for all of us. And. Uh, the, only, the the thing that we can do to honor him is to to try to achieve that too. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. He had such a uh, a really nice and warm side. Uh, you know, he didn't show it much to me, but I did see it <laughs> when uh, we would be doing things, and you know, just moments before we're talking about guns and. and cool stuff and, and just uh, things guys talk about. And his daughters would pull up in a car and he'd walk right up to them and his whole demeanor and his voice would change 
and he would just tell him, I love you so much. And I would look at him, and, and it was just, to me, it was not odd, but it was just just different to see how just moments before we were talking about our thing, and he was always so, he could turn around and just in, a, in a, a moment and just be so warm and tender to people. And, you know, I even mentioned that yesterday about one of the qualities that he had with, uh, you know, children. I know with my boys, he's always had the time, no matter what we're doing, he would stop and acknowledge them, and not just a hi, how are you, or whatever. He would talk to them, and he would remember things, like my oldest boy likes baseball, so he'd talk to him about baseball. And my youngest boy, he would talk to him about silly things he, he would tell him to do to my wife, and he just, you know, and even at the apple seeds, if there were kids there, he always talked to these children, and these kids just loved the heck out of him. And he, he really did have a, a really nice, uh, warm side to him. Absolutely, and uh, thanks, thanks again, gentlemen, for doing this and, and allowing me to come on for a couple of minutes and share my my few memories that I have of him and. We will miss him and love him dearly and, and will always be in our hearts. He will. Thank you, Kim. I look forward to seeing you all again. Absolutely. All right. Y'all take care. Okay. We Bye-bye. will, Kim, and you do the same. I, thank you. We we have another caller here, Mark. Uh, area code 254-213. Uh, you're on the air. Who are we speaking with? Hi, this is uh, Bill Cronk. Uh, so, hi, Mark, and hi, Sam. How are you guys doing? Hi, Bill. Good to hear from you. Yeah, hey, I just I just wanted to say that, uh, Mark, I, I listened to your remarks yesterday, and uh, I, I could tell that they were definitely uh, heartfelt and, uh, you know, uh, I didn't know Michael as well as you did, but I, I did feel a connection with him. Um, you know, for the last, uh, well, I guess five years, I've been working with you guys, uh, either as part of the Appleseed Project or part of Battle Road. And uh, after I got laid off, you know, every, probably once a week, I'd go out to Davila and I'd, you know, I'd do something on the range. Uh, working out there, you know, or if Michael just needed something done, uh, I would help him out, you know. Uh, I do recall one time his mother-in-law was coming to visit, and uh, he said, Bill, can you help me out? I I need to get this area cleaned up. And, you know, it's kind of that area between his house and the the shop, shall we say. And uh, so we spent a couple hours together moving all that stuff around because uh, I guess his mother-in-law was coming the next day. So, <laughs> uh, But, you know, I was, just, I was just mentioning to my wife uh, today, I just, I just still, it's just hard, so hard to believe that he's gone. Um, uh, right. I still, and he just left a huge, just this huge hole because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? And I'm, you know, today or tomorrow or next week and, you know, I used to always be talking with him, or or I'd, you know, a couple times a month I'd go out there and, you know, either just shoot or just to to do something that needed to be done. And 
at least for now, it doesn't look like that's going to be going on for a while. So, uh, so he just he just left a huge hole in my life. Yeah, so. everybody who knew him. Uh, and Bill, <laughs> uh, thank you for doing everything you had done for us. Cause, you know, many times where I would, uh, Mike and I would talk, and we had something going on, and I would already start. Right. Sweating. Okay, well, you know what? I can get up there or whatever and do this. And he'd say, "Oh no, no, don't worry about it. Bill, Bill's here. But Bill and Larry are out here, and they've got it taken right. care of." And that was a huge relief. And thank you so much for that. And I will tell you something kind of funny. Is I remember you had gotten laid off for a while, and uh, Mike and I were talking one day, and you got back with your, uh, I guess, another contract. And yeah. I remember back, Mike saying, oh, man, Phil's got another job. And <laughs> 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 yeah, I thought about yeah. that for a second, and we started laughing. and said, oh, that is so wrong. I mean, we're so happy you have another job, but darn, now we gotta we got to figure something else out. <laughs> right. But, you know. No, uh, and we did. You know, we made, we made things happen, so. That's right. We did, and uh, just. Thank you so much for being such a big help out there, and um, you know, hopefully things will uh, continue some, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe some way, one way or another, we'll just uh, keep on going. And yeah, I mean, who knows what the yep, future holds? Yeah, just stay in touch. Yes, Let sir, us know absolutely. what you want to do, and we'll we'll try and make it happen. That sounds good to me. Okay, if it's all right, I'd, I'd, if you guys could just leave me in the listen mode, I'll I'll listen to the rest of the show. That's okay. We can do that, sure, Bill, and, and we appreciate you staying on and calling in. All right, Sam, thanks. Well, you know, earlier uh, we've had some people talk about Mike and his pranks, and Tim Smith was just talking about him uh, mentioning he uh, – about this place she was going to stay, and he kept saying it had something terrible with it up until he finally found something that that, uh, she couldn't tolerate. When I first started working out there in the villa, almost immediately Mike learned that I uh, had this fear of snakes. And (laughs) up until the very end, the jokes never stopped with snakes. And I, I, I... you know, really, for the rest of the show, I could just tell, go on and on about how many times he would uh, do his best or did scare me with a snake or a, a fake snake. And I think we got some more callers or another caller, so I'll make this quick on this one. But one day we were working out at the range, and I've been there for a few days, and Mike comes pulling up because he had to take a break for a while, and it's one of those, I'll be right back. So a few hours later, he comes back in his truck, and he's on the phone. And he gets out of his truck, and while he has his back towards me, I was looking to see if he brought the tools I needed, and I saw an orange uh, Home Depot five-gallon bucket. Well, I looked in the bucket, and there was nothing in there, so I'm looking for the tools. And uh, Mike hangs up the phone, he turns around and looks at me, and he says, hey, I have a surprise for you in that bucket. And I was thinking, ah, he's trying to to, uh, play a trick on me and say he has a snake in that bucket. So I said, oh, really? Well, I love surprises. So I jump on the back of the truck, in the bed of the truck, and I grab the bucket and just stick my hand in that bucket, and his eyes get really big and his mouth stops. 
And I said, hey, there's nothing in here. And I hold the bucket upside down. Well, his expression never changes. And then he says, oh, it's in the truck somewhere, Mark. He says, get out of there. And I said, yeah, right. And his expression never changed. And he says, get out of there, Mark. Get out of there now. And then when I realized he was serious, somehow from the center of that truck, in one leap, I managed to clear the bed and land about two feet away from that truck and started yelling at him. And uh, he runs to the truck and starts moving things around with his bare hands. And I'm saying, well, what are you doing if there's a snake in there, Mike? I said, don't mess with it. we got to kill it. And he didn't like killing them. And he kept moving things around until finally he jumped back. And he says, oh, here it is. And he reaches in there like you see the, uh, you know, those, uh, whatever you call them, those guys on TV, snake wranglers. He grabs his rattlesnake by the tail and uses, I don't know, a, a long uh, screwdriver or whatever, picks up this rattlesnake and puts it back in the orange bucket. And I said, what the heck are you thinking, Mike? And he just laughed and thought it was the funniest thing ever. And uh, one day, now that I have Steve Raby here, I believe Raby was a part of this, where he had caught a, uh, a bull snake or a rat snake, and he put it under his seat because he didn't have a bucket of his pickup truck. And it curled up <laughs> under his seat, and he, uh, same thing, he pulls up there and goes, hey, Mark, he says, uh, can you grab me something, whatever it was? He goes, it's under my seat. And I thought about it for a second, and I said, no. Why would he ask me to get that? He's not doing anything right now. He could get it. And so I said, no, I'm not getting it. And then finally he cracked into a smile, and I said, okay, now I know it's something, and it's probably a snake. And uh, so after a while he finally, okay, all right. So he goes over there, and sure enough, it's a snake in there. And I said, Mike, what are you doing? You know, I don't, don't even mess with me with those things. And uh, as time went on, we were doing other stuff. He, he also had the tracker down at the range, too. So now he needs to take the tracker and the truck back up to the house. Well, nobody knows how to drive the tractor. So he asked me, will you drive my truck back up to the house? And I said, Mike, there's a snake in your truck. <laughs> no, I'm not going to drive your truck up there. And he says, oh, it's not poisonous. It's only a rat snake. They're our friends and this and that. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. So I look at Steve Raby, and I said, I ain't driving that thing. Man, I'm not even getting in there. And so I think Steve looked around for the snake, and we couldn't find it by that point, right? It, it disgorged the rat it had eaten <laughs> That's right. on the floor and escaped. <laughs> yeah, so that's it did not Mike is holding this disgorged rat with this look on his face. <laughs> well, yeah, so I guess the snake uh, climbed somewhere. Uh, either it must have gotten out the window or hid in the truck. But anyhow, no way. I didn't drive the truck. Steve Ravy jumped in there and drove it up to the house for Mike. And that was the end of that story. But uh, the snake story just never stops with Mike. Okay, uh, Seth, there's a, I think it's 256777. Right, that's JB back on there. I'll put him back up. Did you want to talk again there, JB? Uh, I got knocked off the air, and, I, and uh, I couldn't listen, so I had to call back in. But uh, 
Okay. Uh, you know, I I could go on all day about about the man. He, it, you know, recovering him really well. <laughs> there were so many funny things that he did, so many serious things that he did. The, the man had so many uh, so many facets. And uh, uh, you know, one thing I thought about at the at the service uh, yesterday, and you know, we kind of brought it up. A couple of us have already said it in a, in a different sort of way, but. Um, I kept thinking to emulate the man. That's that's the only that, that's the greatest honor you could give him, and, and it and it brought back uh, a commercial that Nike used to have. And I don't know if you remember it, but it just it just sort of brought it home. And I thought, do you remember the Nike commercial when they had uh, uh, Michael Jordan as their spokesman, and the little kids would sing the song "I Want to Be Like Mike," and I thought. Well, how cool would that be if 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 that just was our slogan? I want to be like Mike, and uh, and just keep the thing going and keep his spirit going. Uh, I even envisioned a um, you know the Michael Jordan uh, silhouette where he spread eagle jumping and he's palming the ball and he's about to do his his triumphant slam dunk and I I, I could see uh, Scout doing that only holding a, an AR over his head, you know, <laughs> something like that. But uh, but uh, I, it just occurred to me that uh, you know yesterday that what a, what a perfect tribute to the man is just keep doing what he was doing, just emulate the man, just be like Mike. You know, You'd I have really a hard like time that doing idea. bad if you did. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I like that idea, uh, Rick. I want to be like Mike, and uh, I'll get with Kirk Wheeler, and maybe we could do something like that until we get sued. So uh, we'll look at some kind of design like that. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Oh, that, that would be awesome. You'll know, sign me up for uh, a dozen T-shirts now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right, what a, I hear what you. a great so, thing. Kirk Wheeler, if you're still out there listening, you know I'll be calling you probably tomorrow and uh, asking well, more graphics. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. I think it's a good <laughs> idea, Rick. We could even put the Wolverines above it when he's holding up the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wolverine. <laughs> we, we've got another caller here, Mark. Uh, I want to bring on uh, area code 337 305. Okay. Hey. Hey, Mr. Mark. Who do you have here? Uh, uh, this is uh, Alan Fontenot from uh, Eunice, Louisiana. Oh, Eddie brother. Byron, Hello, Alan. Hey, Alan. On the forum. On hey, Alan. I I just uh, I've been listening to the show and and just wanted to share a couple of stories that, that of my encounter with uh, with Mr. Micah. I only met him once uh, last October at the uh, the zombie run, at, but uh, I uh, I saw him, you know, wanted to to say hello and and he uh, he came. Uh, he, he was he was talking to a group of people, and um, I, you know, I didn't want to disturb him while he was talking. So after a few minutes, he he saw me and he, he turns and he says, uh, "He says, how you doing?" He says, "Michael Adams." He says, and I, I introduced myself and and told him who I was and apple seed and everything. And he says, "Oh, he says, uh, he says, where where'd you come from?" He says, "Oh, out in Eunice, Louisiana." He says, and he kind of Got a look on his face. He was thinking of where that was, and he says, "How long was the drive out here?" I said, "Oh, about about six to six and a half hours." 
he should, wow, he should, uh, he should, man, he should, you might be the the furthest one uh, to drive over here. I said, oh, I, I don't know. He said, you must be a glutton for punishment, aren't you? <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, he, he was just the friendliest guy, you know, at, I mean, I mean, just the first time you met him, he was like, you know, he was he was your your buddy. But um, yeah, he continued talking with with the guys, and he was uh, I was standing there listening. He was discussing uh, a couple of new obstacles he had put into the uh, to the, the the zombie run, and uh, he says, uh, yeah, he said I just got finished digging a, a trench, and he says. He said they're gonna they're either gonna go through it or he said they're just gonna give up and go around it. And somebody asked him, so well, what kind of trench is it? He said Saint Vietnam Tunnel Rat. <laughs> but uh that was a great that was a great uh obstacle that he had put in. And uh then somebody else uh asked us they they brought up the point, they said, Well, uh out, isn't it? Aren't we supposed to get some rain tomorrow? He says, "Well, I guess they'll just get wet." <laughs> and uh, he, uh, somebody, somebody asked him, "They said, well, what were you doing with the, uh, the triangular obstacle with the hurricane fence on it?" Oh, he said, "I lifted that up and, and put it on top of some pools he said, to make the guys have to, to really climb over it." He said. Uh, a couple of a couple of guys that had gone to the zombie run and and the the obstacle was on the ground and uh, he said he watched them just run up and over it like it was it wasn't even there and uh, one guy uh, makes the comment he says uh, he said that was easy scout he said I thought that was supposed to be an obstacle. So he said uh, he went ahead and put it on top of the school, and he made the statement. He said nobody laughs at my obstacle. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was just I, I, you guys talk about how he was a practical joker. I mean he was just he, he just had a quirky sense of humor, and 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 the one time I met him, it's, I mean it was just it was just a wonderful opportunity to meet the man. But I'm gonna get out of y'all's way and uh, listen to the rest of the show, Mister Mark, and y'all have a good evening. Well, thank you, Alan. Alan. And, uh, that was uh, Alan Fontenot from Louisiana, and I first met Alan when I was in Appleseed and uh, helped him take the uh, program over to Louisiana. And he was out there shooting, and he's always been such a, a kind and, uh, man and gentleman. And I remember... Uh, Going out to Louisiana and having a good time. In fact, I was talking to Kim about it just the other day, about uh, the time I had out in Louisiana shooting with those folks. And uh, then, heck, the whole reason why I met Alan Fontenot is because of the Appleseed program, but because I was trained by uh, Michael, and he helped me do these events and helped me gain the confidence to go out on my own. Uh, to the southern states and uh, start the program there. So, again, there's another reason uh, or another thing Michael did uh, that was a, a big part of my life. And, uh, boy, I'm going to miss him. Um, all right, we don't have anybody else yeah. on the line yet? Well, let me talk for a second. <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead. 
is I'm very jealous of all of you because although I talked with Michael weekly for seven years, I only ever met him two times. He came down, uh, I met him first at uh, the home of Dad Bra- Dan Bradford and Jillian Fryer, Tiles Glock and Blue Feather back in Appleseed Top. Okay. And he, he came down to teach us, and he thoroughly impressed me then. And the only other time I met him was at the zombie shoot this year in April. And I'm very jealous of all of you because you've had more time to be with him. Uh, and I wish that I had, had had the opportunity to spend that much amount of time with him. He's such a fine gentleman. Without his way to make me right. feel wanted and welcome... And uh, just a hell of a nice guy. If you was, ma'am, I uh, one thing you said about he'll make me feel welcome, and uh, you know I were on the radio, but I wish there was a way of all of us who knew Mike, if we could show have a show of hands who felt the same way the first time you met him. He made you feel welcome. He made you feel like. Uh, you were best friends, and I've heard that since his passing, nonstop. Everybody seems to say that. You know, all the time I thought I was special, but he treated everybody that way. Everybody says the same thing, and it was true. I've seen it so many times before with people coming down to shoot with us. We don't know these folks. We haven't seen them more than a few hours, and he, there he is shaking their hands, smiling, and saying, you're a part of my family now. If you ever want to come back and shoot, you come back and shoot. He did that constantly, and, and that's who he was. And he's going to, oh, he's going to be missed. Uh, he really, truly was a, a one of a kind. And Sam, thank you so much for helping him with the radio. Uh, a lot of it was Appleseed Radio. It, uh changed into Battle Road. You know, honestly, that should have probably been me doing it. I had other things, and you stepped up, and I thank you so much for helping him. You were somebody he could count on, and I thank you for that. I didn't mind a bit. The Thursday rolls around. I still want to be out here and uh, get on it and switchboard. I hear you. Well, we've got another caller at 806. Let me bring them on here. All righty. Am I on? You are on. Who are we speaking with, sir? This is Paul up in Amarillo. Pardon me? Paul C. Accurate no 03 in Amarillo. Oh, Paul. Yeah. I'm glad Paul you called. Paul. It's been such a long time. It's been a while, hasn't it, Sam? Yeah, we uh, we were fortunate enough to have uh, Michael come out and put on that IBC in uh, in Las Cruces with Tiles Glock and Blue Feather. It was good times. It was a long time ago. Like a lot of you, I was 
I live so far away, uh, weekend trips are just kind of out of the question. Whenever I came down, I tried to come down a few days ahead of the event and help them get ready for it, or in some cases just help them around the ranch. I think probably the most memorable time I came down there was after he broke both arms, uh, cutting a limb off a tree. And uh, I, I found out about it, and I called him on the phone and said, uh, you know, how are you doing? Oh, he says, I'm fine. I've got a cast on one arm and a sling on the other. I said, uh, you driving? He said, uh, yeah. Um, I said, does the DPS know about this? And he said, uh, well, no. <laughs> Would they be happy if they did know? He says, probably not. I said, I'll be down tomorrow and I can spend a week with you. Is that okay? I'll just drive you around. And so that's what we did for a week. Uh, he was uh, that, and I had to keep on to him about keeping his cast on. I think it were they weren't complete breaks, but uh, one of them he broke before, so he had a he had a plate in that arm, so it was pretty secure. But the other one I had to keep on to him about putting his sling on and keeping it on. Michael had one speed, and it was always full speed ahead. Uh, when Rick was on, one thing I noticed on him, he, of course, Michael's sense of humor was unique, but he corresponded with Rick Smith quite frequently, I understand. And I noticed some of the packages that he was sending to Rick. He always put a fictitious charity ahead of the name, like the so-and-so school for wayward youth care of Rick Smith, you know, whatever the address <laughs> was. <laughs> and they were always different. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just typical Michael. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize that Mark was afraid of snakes. That, that opens up a whole different kettle of fish, doesn't it? <laughs> but some of my found, fondest memories down there are the, the RBCs that we worked together. And uh, the times I'd just come down and help him uh, around the ranch and whatnot. One of my regrets in life was I was never able to, to come down as often as I wanted to. I just lived too far away. I really regret not being able to come down to the service yesterday. To a lot of people I would have seen that I haven't seen in a long time. It's the nature of those things. Um, what I did do, though, uh, contributed the amount of money plus a little bit that I would have spent on the trip and uh, did it for the scholarship fund. So gives you an option. Oh, thank you uh, very much. Well, you know, suggestion to other people, if they couldn't make it, they might ship in what they would have spent on gas. Like I say, everybody, every little bit helps. Well, thank you very um, much that, for that, Paul. Yeah, well, it's... Uh, read something somewhere to the effect that if you're not a good person and want to be, find a good person and emulate them. In the short run, people might not be able to tell the difference, and in the long run, you might become like them. And I, I like that idea of be like Mike. I think it's a good uh, good motto for your future operations down there if you're allowed to continue. Yeah, definitely on the books now. All righty, well, I won't tie up any more of your time, but I just want to let you know I was thinking, you all, I'm sorry I couldn't be there yesterday, but uh, he was a, a major factor, a major influence on my life, and the place, the uh, world's a sadder place without him. Yes, sir, and, you know, you're forever on that video of ours, that Kirk Wheeler film, the, I think it's the Elm One Grand Tracer on YouTube. 
a really great uh-huh. day. We were out shooting. Uh, there's Paul Seeley and a whole bunch of us out there, and Mike's out there shooting, and, and it's just probably one of the best days at the range ever. And you're on with uh, Paul, so I am. enjoy huh. it the chance. <laughs> it's on YouTube? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, it is. And you can Google M1 Grand Tracer. And that will oh the M- yeah the M1 right tracer there. the sound of freedom that's, yeah, it, that's it. it I remember that shoot yeah that's, that's I always go back and look at that every uh, now and then yeah yeah those were good times that was that was decent weather I can remember a couple other times when it wasn't such decent weather I don't think we ever took any pictures of it but there was one November RBC when we were all dressed up and everything we owned had a tarp stretch between. <laughs> Two, one of the one of the uh, vehicles down there in one of the storage buildings. And I think we were all sleeping. You know, we were all in tents out there. That was a memorable time, but it wasn't really very pleasant. Right. Yeah, it was a lot of interest, interesting times at that uh, range. Yeah. Good memories. Well, you all take so, care, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up here or sign off here and and listen back on the computer. Yeah, it has been. I wish we could like I say you're you're another one I'd like to live closer to. I listen to the to the radio show there with Hibbit. Like I say, we're spread out all over the countryside. I remember you staying over with us that weekend and it was a, a great pleasure. Yeah, it was, I it learned was a lot, lot of fun. from you. Yep. Well, you all take care. All right. Thank you, Paul. Adios. You know, it's funny he mentioned about Mike writing uh, fictitious cherries on uh, Rick's package and, and the silly sense of humor he had. <laughs> Mike, uh, when we were starting up this battle road, we had to go to the bank and open up an account. And so Mike and I went to the bank and we're sitting there, and they call us in. And you go in this little cubicle, and the two chairs that the uh, customers sit in are right next to each other. It's kind of weird. I guess maybe there's a couple in there before us. But uh, Mike and I, we go in and we sit down, and I notice we are sitting very close to each other. And when we start telling them what we're going to do, Mike introduced me as his partner. <laughs> <laughs> and I I kind of looked at him and I said, yes, I, I'm, I'm his business partner. And, you know, and then we continued on with the meeting. And nobody thought anything of that. But when we got outside, I told Mike, I said, what are you doing? Don't ever do that again, Mike. I said, you know, say I'm your business partner. <laughs> and he goes, why? And I said, well, Mike, it just sounds... You know, you're, you're telling people, I'm your partner. And then he just bust out laughing. You know, I should have never said anything about that because to the very end, he introduced me to everybody as his partner. And we would go <laughs> some other place or whatever, and he would talk, and there was a, a time before where he would say, oh, and this is Mark, he's my partner, and he gave that smile he does, and he puts his arms around his arm around my shoulder. 
And I said, God, dang it, you know, so I'm pulling away from him. And everywhere we go, he'd always do that. This is my partner. This Again, he would do that changing of his voice, softening up. And like I said, I didn't know until after he passed away that he was a trained actor. So I guess that helped a lot with it. But that was, uh, well, I can't say it was one of our jokes. It was mainly his prank on me that I was his partner and, uh, it's funny because I think about that constantly, and uh, just just he had just a, the greatest sense of humor. He was just so much fun. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Sam, I have my wife here. She wants to get on and talk a little bit about Mike. Please get her on there. Hello, I'm Kim. Um, I'm Mark's wife. It's funny, um, for me, my relationship with Scout was a little different. Um, I'm very thankful to Mike. He got Mark out of my hair a whole lot. Um, A lot of holidays, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, right before Thanksgiving, Mark would uh, run in from work and... Start hiking, and I, you know, Mark, where are you going? He goes, Oh man, I, I got to make up the scouts real quick, just you know, for a quick trip, a day or two, or whatever. So a lot of my holidays would be with Mark and stuff together, which now I don't know what I'm going to do because I actually need to spend time with Mark on holidays. I'm, I'm at a loss now. But um, for me. I don't have a big family, and I have a a 10-year-old, and and his family is even less. And I've always appreciated Scout because for Hunter, my son, it was almost like Uncle Scout. And he enveloped us unlike anyone I've ever known. And I, I... I would hope, but I doubt that he completely understood and can grasp the amount of people that loved him and that cared for him. Um, I am forever indebted to him and his family, um, but I, I don't. I can't even explain the love and admiration that I feel for Mike. Um, for those of you who don't know Mark, he has acquaintances and I guess what people would call friends, but actual true friends, his, his circle is very, very small. And um, Scout was his very best friend. And um, he'd come over to our house once in a while and we would go over there and to see him open his arms to um, our kids was really beautiful. Like I said, I don't have a, a big family. So he would take Hunter and they would go into the woods or somewhere on the range and just cause mischief. And one of the many times that Hunter would come back with the same mischievous smile that, that Mike had, um Mark hates snakes, obviously, he told you. 
And I hate everything outdoors, including the heat and the sweat. It, I, I don't do well with it. Um, but we went down there, and, and um, when we were packed up to go, and Hunter was in his car seat in the back, Scout had him roll the window down, and he goes, hey, don't forget, when you get home, show your mama your surprise. And I'm thinking, you know, oh, crap. I, I'm going to be on guard now. And Hunter is just cracking up. And, and uh, I get home, and we're unpacking the car and everything. And darn it, my little boy, uh, he must have been like five or six at the time, starts screaming at the top of his lungs, chasing me around the house. And I don't know what's going on, and I'm running. And God bless Mike and his horrible sense of humor, but he gave Hunter some hog kills that he cut when he killed some hogs on his property, dried them up so they're crusty and there's these nasty stringy hairs on them. And he told Hunter to chase me around the house. And, of course, I ran, locked myself upstairs in our bedroom, and Hunter took this pigtail and drug it across my foot underneath the door. And I, I was in my room for a long time, and you could hear him cracking up. Well, Mark called out that night as I walked upstairs in my room, and you could hear Scout and Hunter cackling about how they finally got me. So he is forever in our hearts, and I love Scout very, very much. He was, um, no joke, one of the kindest, most humble people I've ever met. And um, most people are kind, whether it's in business or in friendships, because they get something in return. Mike genuinely cares for people without anything in return. And I don't think I've ever met someone like that, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I never will. People like that just really don't exist. And I'm very blessed. My son is blessed. Um, Mark is blessed to have known him. And he will be greatly missed. And I'll, my son, he's looking at me, and I, I, I can pretty much tell you this story. Um, the story. The first uh, smart aleck thing Mike ever taught Hunter, and I could have strangled him at the time, was um, when Hunter started school, he told Hunter, whenever you get home, you're probably going to be real hungry, so tell your mom to make you a beer and a sandwich. And so a five-year-old Hunter... Um, thought that was the funniest thing ever. So every so often, Hunter gets a wild hair and he looks at me and says, hey, woman, go in there and make me a bear and a sandwich. And so now that's going to be our thing. Mike, Mike taught Hunter how to address me and snap his fingers and call me woman and go in there and make him a bear and a sandwich. So he's uh, he will forever be a part of our family and... Um, we love him and miss him greatly. Thanks, Gail. 
I uh, I just want to add on that. Uh, Mike was so close to our, our family. He was, I don't know when exactly, but it's pretty early on after meeting him. He just didn't become a part of our family. And uh, towards the end, he had an accident at work and got injured. And uh, again, broke some more bones. And he was laid up in bed for a while. And uh, we were going up there just to uh, help clean around his house and, and see what he needed. And uh, my wife, Kim, here, she says, you know, she doesn't like the outdoors. She, she will cut our yard. She cut it today. She has a, we have a riding mower. But at her at Mike's, she was using a push mower to cut grass that was probably over a foot high. And I've never seen her work like that before. And you probably never will. <laughs> and uh, she was doing it all for Mike. And even when we were leaving, he needed more help, and she was wanting to stay with him for the week. And I was trying to convince him, yeah, stay, stay. You know, just somebody needs to be here with him to feed him, to get him things he needs. And, uh, you know, Mike, he was uh, stubborn at times, and, and he wouldn't do it. But... uh after we came home, he sent me a picture on my phone of a another rat snake that was behind his sofa. And he had always told me he had snakes in his house. And, uh, you know, sometimes Mike had these crazy outlandish stories, but they would always seem to get confirmed later on. And for years he told me he had snakes in his house and... Sure enough, he sends this picture, and I can see his sofa in the background, and or the snake was behind the sofa, and I told Kim about that. She goes, oh, okay, well, never mind. Maybe I won't stay. But I, I know snakes and all, if, if he'd have said yes, I'd have, I'd have left her there, and yeah, she'd have done it in a heartbeat. And uh, we just all love him so much. Okay, uh, Sam, I see we have a 316. Right. Three one six three nine three. You're on the air. Who are we speaking with? This is Ray Trinan. I thought I'd uh, chime in a little bit before we're done. So thank you, Ray. I've been Hello, Ray. been listening the whole time. I met Scout about uh, I don't know two and a half years ago or so, but it seems much much longer than that. So <clears throat> there were a lot of shoots that I worked there at his ranch took courses there and all kinds of things, but I think there's one story that I'd like to uh, share because it has some some humor to me. And I think, Mark, you were there when um, John Hawes had come in for the carbine course? Yes. And uh, there was, I think it was the first night, um, and John Hawes had come in and... I guess he had almost immediately filled some hunting tags. And so these uh, hogs have been sitting there, um, and it came time to butcher them. And uh, Tommy and you and I were sitting around a campfire. Uh, there might have even been some homebrew. And uh, Scout said he had to go back up to the house to get ready to butcher the animals. And I, it was pretty late at night. And so um, Tommy and I decided we wanted to join him and sort of see how this was see how this was um, 
going to go down, and we left you there at the campfire. <laughs> so, um, but there was a, you know, a lot of kind of spraying of bleach on some plastic sheets, and uh, finally we got ready, and I'm standing there between uh, Scout and Larry, and uh, John Hawes is on the other side, and Tommy's there too, and there's all this debate about this cut of meat and that cut of meat and all this. And, and eventually, Scout turns to me and he says, well, why aren't you doing anything? <laughs> and so, well, I just sort of shrugged my shoulders and, you know, I'm just standing here watching. Next thing you know, a good chunk of a leg gets popped down right in front of me. And again, I don't quite know what to do, but I don't have any... Uh, you know, knife in front of me either, and so I kind of look, and then very quickly Larry sees what's going on and puts the knife down in front of me, and, you know, so there I am uh, with them kind of laughing at me, and not quite sure what to do after all this debate of this cut of meat and that cut of meat. And yeah, so they told me, well, it was for sausage, and that was really all I needed to know, and so they kind of <laughs> walked me through that part of it. But anyway, it was just kind of a humorous thing. If you didn't watch out, I think, you know, you'd get wrapped up in any kind of an adventure there, so. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Kim was well, saying everything's an adventure with Mike. Well, yeah. but well, I just wanted to call in and, you know, I've been listening, like I said, and I just wanted to share a story, and uh, I think we all know what he meant to us. And, uh, yeah, I think a good story is, is about all I can say on that. So. Well, thank you so much, Ray. Thank you for helping us during the uh, zombie runs, too. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. And uh, I appreciate you calling in and sharing that with us. Thank you, and I'll see you soon, I hope. So. You will. Okay, I, uh, uh, while Kim was talking, I was looking all around the house because uh, my oldest boy, James, wrote a letter, uh, and I can't find it. You know what that? And anyhow, in this letter, he was just uh, thanking Mr. Scout for all the things he had done for him. And Scout had uh, given him a couple years ago a 303 British Enfield all matching numbers, which we haven't shot yet. But uh, James just thought it was the greatest thing ever. He had a huge rifle up until that point. He had those little chipmunk 22s. So he has that for Mr. Scout. And, uh, you know, after uh, Mr. Scout had passed away, he took it really hard. We've all taken it hard. And uh, I was telling James one day, because he was crying, I said, I know it hurts. It hurts bad. I said, but um, let's just uh, think about all the fun things we did with Mr. Scout. And he was crying, and he says, we didn't have that much fun with Mr. Scout. Every time we came here, we worked. <laughs> and I said, I know. I said, I know. But though, even though we worked, it was fun, wasn't it? And he started laughing and crying at the same time. He said, yeah, then... He was talking, then he got to talking about the times we would go hunting there and, and just the nonsense they would talk about. Uh, you know, again, you know, if you ever saw Michael with children and he talked to them, he really went down to their level. 
man, I think that's why they had so much fun with him. He, he just had a blast. And I really wish I had that letter here because James couldn't be here now, but he just uh, had a really nice, warm letter to Mr. Scout and how much he was going to miss him. So maybe sometime down the road when you're listening to this, James, you'll, you'll know we mentioned you here. Um, under, okay. Okay, well, um, I see we're beginning to wrap it up, Sam. We've got about eight minutes left. And uh, I guess on that note, I will just say how much... Uh, Okay, how much we're all going to miss him? And my youngest boy, Hunter, here wants to speak for a quick moment. Say something about Mr. Scout. Did this talk? Mr. Scout, you know, he writes an article to me, and um, we usually came over there at least uh, three times a month. And I didn't go there a lot, but, like, I went there at least once every two months. And every time I saw him, he told me a joke every time, and it was always about my mom. <laughs> every time. Not one thing was about Mark. It's always me, huh? It was always her, and he always gave me a snake skin. And one time, he gave me a, a little bag of rat snakes, and I think one rattlesnake, and the one they shedded. <laughs> And he gave me those, and he told me to put it um, under on the pillow. And I was like, I heard spring and I ran out my room, and I was like, what? And she goes, let's go. And the next thing he called him, he said, I'm laughing. And I love him, and I missed him. Boy. So, um, if there's anything else I can get ready to leave off with, uh, like I said, we've all covered pretty much everything Mike is, well, how, how much he meant to us. Um, I do want to say, uh, well, this shit was about Mike, but we've been getting a lot of calls since word of, of his passing, and everything's been up in the air but one thing that is uh, solid and that's going to happen, we will have a zombie run there at Battle Road. It will be October the 9th and 10th. That's going to happen. Um, and I don't know after that. One way or another, I do want to continue some type of a Michael Adam running gun. We could have a I want to be like Mike running gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one thing that's really yeah. cool about <clears throat> about this podcast and, uh, you know, for not just for his kids, you know, and his family <clears throat> now to go back and, you know, if they, if they didn't listen to the show, which I'm sure they probably – Obviously, they knew he did it, but they probably didn't listen to it every week like some some folks did. But you know, uh, you know, his kids and even his grandkids and great grandkids. You know, they have a. I mean, he left a legacy that 
they, they'll be able to go back and and uh, get to know who he was, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I've been thinking about that, Kirk, and that was uh, pretty much one of the main reasons I got with Sam on this was I know there's a lot of folks out there like uh, Kevin from Memphis who had not met Mike, and there's probably other folks as well who've listened to him over the years, and I want them to get a chance to either call in and say, share a story, or hear stories about him that were not related to the topics he normally talked about, just to hear about the man himself. And uh, this will be archived, and later on, if his children ever want to hear it, they can hear a whole bunch of really fun, warm stories about their dad. And uh, I suppose we will as well. I may be 80 years old listening to this one day. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I guess there's good and bad with technology, but this is definitely a good thing, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Something to leave behind. And, and Mark, I also assume they're going to leave his Facebook page up in, in memory, and, and there's lots of stuff we've I got years of stuff I can contribute. I promise you. <laughs> and he he will be well yeah. remembered. Well, I, Rick, I think you kept our blog rolling for the longest time, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no problem. Sam, is there anything you want to? We got about two minutes left. Is there anything you'd like to say? I I really can't think of anything that hasn't been said already. Okay, anybody else on the line, Kurt, J.B.? Say again. Uh, so anybody else? We've got about two minutes left. Any of y'all want to say any last parting words? Uh, you know, I'll sign off the way you always sign off with me. I'll just say I love you, brother. Uh, thank you. Love you, too. Okay, well, yeah, here you go. Well, thank you, Steve. Steve Ravy here. Just that whole. I always remember his smile. Always remember his voice. For some reason, so get your rifles stuck in my head. But he just set forth a good example for us to follow. And I know he was having some rough times at the end, but I am confident that he's in, at peace. And I'm, and I'm confident that we will see him again. He hasn't ceased to exist. It's just he's in a mode to where we can't communicate with him anymore for now. But we can continue his legacy by remembering him. I'll love you, Mike. Thank you, Steve. Uh, that's pretty much it for the show. I just want to say uh, again, 30 seconds. Thank you. Mike, we love you. We do, Mike. I love you very much. I miss you. You're my best friend. The best business partner. (laughs) So I'll see you again. We love you, Mike.
thanks, Mike. It was a great ride. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, sir. I will keep in touch with you. And uh, like I said, I've talked to the family. This October is the only thing is solid. And uh, if you can make a trip down here, uh, we can, uh, whenever I get my accommodations, we get a hotel or something, I'll be sure to squeeze you in and uh, we'll make sure you're taken care of. So I'd love to have you down here if it works out. Uh, you know, might even just camp out out there if they'll let us. That's right. I may say, who knows. But I will sure try to get down there again. Okay, I hope um, to see you. And I'll call you in a day or two once I settle down, I guess, after this. We'll keep in touch, my friend. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have a good one, too, there, Rick. 